1: Yes, indeed. On this
2: Saturday morning, I am joined not but one, but two good folks from the University of Minnesota. Julie Weisenhorn and John Trappi are back. We're really going to be talking about lawns and gardens, if you can believe that, on January 6th. (laughs) Lawns and gardens. Uh, And like some folks say, literally, we're going to be talking about lawns and gardens. Uh, Good morning, both Julie and John. Nice to have you here on this Saturday.
3: Hey, Danny. Good to hear you. Happy New Year.
2: Yeah, and to you guys, too.
3: Yeah, good morning.
2: Uh, I uh, want to alert uh, John and Julie that uh, last week I indeed finished dormant seating, <laughs> finally. <laughs>
3: yeah,
2: yeah. Uh We. I don't recall, we've had so many questions about that over the last two or three months. I don't think I've ever mm-hmm. seen so many questions on the show about uh, dormant seating. I'm not sure if people just wanted to hear about it or <laughs> learn more about it or, or what, but... Uh, uh John we finally got in Julia uh, uh, some some snow covering it looks like according to the national weather service we might get mm, less than half an inch today and less than half an inch overnight but boy we need that snow don't we
4: Yeah definitely <laughs> Still we're still playing catch up
2: Yeah, uh, yeah I, it, I, it's
3: a it's a great insulator even that little bit helps <laughs>
2: And I wonder too that although the uh, the forecast is calling for colder temperatures, maybe maybe more accurately, uh, more average temperatures for this for this time of year, highs in the teens, uh, maybe even a little below average. But uh, you call it an insulation factor there, and and I, I'm looking around my yard and the shrubs and everything, and I thought, what's kind of bare out there? What what can happen if we don't get that?
3: So snow is at an excellent insulator. <clears throat> it um it, that it's mostly made of air, about ninety percent of our snowfall is air, and in those air pockets it's thirty two degrees so don't ask me how they measured that. That's <laughs> pretty interesting but um but it actually acts as a almost like a poor man's mulch if you don't have something covering your soil, so we really look forward to having snow. And it helps to protect and moderate soil temperatures and protect the roots of of plants. Roots go dormant a lot slower than our buds and stems and branches do. So, it's uh, you know it's important to to get our snowfall, our regular snowfall. Last year was a bumper crop of snow. Yeah. But uh, this year is uh, we're really scrambling for that. So if people Hopefully, people have left the leaves on their garden beds and uh, have mulched uh, with wood mulch around the base of their trees and shrubs. And and that works great, too. It helps to hold in soil uh, soil moisture and then moderate those soil temperatures, which makes it a lot easier on our plants.
2: And, John, I'm thinking if if indeed, I mean, we're not getting a lot of snow, uh, at least not this particular week, it looks like. But if if warmer temperatures do come back, you know, low 30s with sunshine and and there is some melting, and let's see, we we see our lawns again. I know we're going to get questions. Can people still do some seeding?
4: Yeah, the beauty of the dormant seeding is that uh, it can really be done any time between now and when soil temperatures get up above uh, 40 or 45 degrees. So uh, because at that point, that's when you're starting to get germination. But uh, you want the whole thought process behind the dormant seeding or frost seeding, as some people call it, is really just trying to take advantage of that natural freeze-thaw cycle that happens over the winter and early spring uh, to just naturally work that seed down into the soil. So you don't have to do any kind of soil disturbance. Uh, you're just kind of counting on that precipitation and that freeze-thaw cycle to get really good seed-to-soil contact. That's so critical for uh, seedlings. Uh, To to germinate.
2: You know, you and uh, Julie, John uh, talk, and we we have heard it over over years on the show. That uh, as far as soil differences, uh, let's look at the state of Minnesota. What, how different are the soils, let's say, from northern Minnesota to southern Minnesota? Is are there that vast of differences?
4: Yeah, Minnesota is a really unique state because uh, there's probably about seven or eight different zones uh, within Minnesota. I mean, there's there's probably a couple of dozen different soil types, but uh, there's seven distinct growing zones for uh, for several different types of plants, and, and one of those factors that's affected those soils is just the climate over the last several thousand years. Uh, so that's what's formed those soils, and, and so as a result, you know, there is some differences, but, uh, you know, fundamentally, the you know, air and soil temperatures and precipitation amounts are going are gonna to be equally as important to that. But uh, when, when we're concerned about soil types, most of the time for, for growing plants, we're, we're most concerned if it's a really organic soil, if it's really high organic matter, like a, like a swamp or a marsh, uh, or if it's a really sandy soil, uh, you know, those are typically found in, in the sand plains. Uh, but then much of the rest of the state is, is fairly consistent in just crudely being brought, uh, broken down into mineral soils, mm. which is where most of our agriculture is at.
2: All right. Interesting. Uh, here's our uh, phone number. It's also our text number, and you know how busy we tend to get. So if you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, now's your chance to ask Julie or John those questions. 651 461 9226. You can call if you like, or uh, just send a text if that's easier. 651-461-9226. Julie, I know it's, it's here we are in January, brand new year. What's going on at the Arboretum?
3: So out at the Arboretum.
2: Six. Julie, I know it's, it's here we are in January, brand new year. What's going on at the Arboretum?
3: So out at the Arboretum, it is still a fabulous place to visit. We have a winter wellness fair that's starting on January 13th, and this is kind of designed to help you find nourishment for your body, mind, and soul all in one place. So we have a a wide variety of vendors and uh, activities out there for folks. Um, Also, it's still a lovely place to visit to see plants. We have some really amazing collections. Um, Some of the cedars are looking terrific. We also have paper birch that stands out. You get to see these plants that actually have terrific winter interest. And that's an important part of choosing plants for your landscape any time of the year. You want to have something that's going to be interesting in your landscape throughout the entire year. So that's a kind of a strategy for creating a really interesting landscape. We also have a lot of great indoor plants, too. We have our flower show, but that's starting in February, I believe. So uh, take a look at... The website it is arb.arb.umn.edu, dot dot and remember that you do need to get reservations and tickets. So uh, jump on the website and get those, and uh, boy, enjoy yourself out there. It's really a fabulous place to be.
2: It really is, and it's very easy to to access that uh, website. And and it, compared to years ago when it was so busy with you know parking and all of that, right. so this makes it so easy. I say yeah. that all the time, but it makes a big difference. Uh, with uh, you know cut back on the frustration on that level. So it's a great place.
3: Yeah, less less waiting in line. Absolutely. <laughs>
2: All right. Uh tell you what, I'm getting a signal here we need to take a little bit of a break. Let's invite our listeners to join in on the conversation. If you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, this is your chance to ask Julie or John those very questions. 651 461 9226. You can call or text right now. Uh, In the Twin Cities, we gained one degree in the last hour. It is currently 29 degrees. We are on our way today, probably the warmest day of the week, near 34 degrees. Uh, Maybe a half an inch or less of snow today, and maybe overnight, about the same. Stay with us here on News Talk 830 WCCO. And good morning once again. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour, welcoming your lawn and garden questions this morning for Julie Weisenhorn and John Trappy from the University of Minnesota talking lawns and gardens, and we're getting those very questions uh, via the All text, right. but we're getting a phone call, too. Uh, Richard is on the horn, I think, calling from Minnetonka this morning. Richard, thanks for waiting. What's your question, please?
3: Sure. Uh, I have a front lawn that's quite thin, at least uh, in half of it. And the winter seeding sounds like a good idea to me. My question is, what specific kind of seed should I use here on my Minnetonka lawn?
4: Great question. So if, if you have a little bit more shade in the thin area, then I would consider planting something with fine fescue or made up mostly of the fine fescues. It's a group of five different species of turf grass. Uh, if it is just a, I, you know, I think fine fescue is great for for most lawns. But uh, if you have a little bit more traffic, if it's because if it's thin because you have kids or pets or anything like that, maybe you want to consider adding in a little bit of tall fescue or Kentucky bluegrass. But all all turf grass species work really well with. A dormant seeding. Uh, it's just, I would just kind of match it based on how, what the current site conditions are.
2: You know, we, we've talked about the types of seeds, like you're mentioning, John, uh, but John and Julie, what about when you purchase seeds from either big box stores or local garden centers? I mean, we do have seeds kind of that are locally sourced, right? I mean, and I, we get seeds from all over the country, Oregon, things like that. What's the best? to use would you think?
4: Well the 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 keys uh, we're actually uh, just getting ready to publish a, a new web page on our website for, um, uh, for tips on on how to purchase uh, great grass seed uh, but the, the things to look out for are just to make sure that you're buying actual grass seed and you're getting what you pay for. So you um, we recommend not buying coated seed uh, you know, buying seed that is uh, just the seed itself. It doesn't have any extra synthetic coating to help it germinate or to help it save water or anything like that. A lot of times those ha- provide little benefit to, uh, to homeowners. So uh, the, the thing is, is just you can go to most garden centers. Uh, we do have a link on our webpage on, on where to purchase uh, grass seed. Uh, you could just uh, web search for purchasing grass seed in Minnesota Uh, and we have a link on on all of the vendors that we know of that sell uh, premium grass seed, uh, especially the fine fescues or bee lawn mixes. Uh, And uh, that's a relatively uh, up-to-date list. Uh, Again, that's purchasing grass seed, and you can find that. That's actually at the TURF webpage, turf.umn.edu. There's a link up at the top that says just purchase grass seed.
2: And we, we have great garden centers that sell great grass seed. I know I've, I've been to a few of them myself. It makes a big difference. Uh, here's, here's an interesting question. Texter says, will mice eat the grass seed you lay down now?
4: <laughs> I would be more worried about birds than I would be mice. Yeah. Uh, and that's one of the, that's one of the uh, potential pitfalls of dormant seeding is that, you know, that seed is sitting on the surface and exposed if we don't get any snow. Uh, So if, uh, you know, one thing that I I like to do is I I like to seed a little bit now before we get our first major snowfall and then uh, come back through in any kind of thin areas. If there's some areas I didn't get to or anything like that, uh, just in real uh, uh, late winter, early spring in that February, March, if we get get any snowfall or if if any of the snow melts and you have some bare spots you want to hit, that's a great time to do it as well.
2: Very good. 651-461-9226 651-461-9226 two, two, for your uh, lawn or garden questions for Julie or John. Uh, our, this texter says this, our ground is complete clay, hard as a rock. What's good dormant seeding for that, uh, along with lots of shade, too, they
4: add? Well, the shade is probably much more of a limiting factor than the clay, um, unfortunately a lot of new sites you know whenever they build a new home they scrape off the topsoil they they sell it or they move it somewhere else and a lot of new sites are are being trying to establish lands lawn and landscaping plants on uh, essentially the subsoil so that's a really common problem to see um, now uh, as far as the grass species the like I mentioned the shade is is a much more limiting factor and I would be because all grasses can grow on relatively high clay content. So I would focus on that as a problem, and because of that, I would plant the fine fescues or turf-type tall fescue if you're experiencing, if you have a little bit more traffic because of kids or pets or anything like that. But but the fine fescues work uh, are the most shade-tolerant grass that I would recommend there.
2: Julie, it's hard to believe that uh, here we are in, the, in January already, yes. and usually you and I, when we talk, and some of your colleagues Uh, We talk about, well, what are we doing here in the the middle of uh, the winter? Are seed catalogs coming out yet?
3: Oh, yes, they certainly are. So uh, as people are looking for and thinking about the coming spring, be looking through those seed catalogs and deciding, you know, what worked last year and maybe what you want to try this year. So those are uh, always exciting to see the photos, the new varieties and cultivars that are coming out and be sure to visit your local garden centers, too. As uh, the weather warms up uh, and we get closer to spring, you're going to be seeing uh, you know, transplants and new shrubs and trees that are available. And talk with your garden center people. I always say form a relationship with your garden center because they can clue you into some of the newer varieties, newer cultivars, some of the research and evaluation that's been done on those plants and help you make some really uh, science-based decisions.
2: And a couple of that uh, along with the University of Minnesota uh, extension website, and I'm thinking uh, the times I've looked for trees or shrubs, right. and visiting the arboretum to see you know actual growth. Is this going to yes. look good right next to my house, or did I plant that tree too close to the house? Things like that. So there's some great resources: uh, the U extension dot umn dot edu or the arboretum. We'll talk more about uh, those as we move through this hour. Let's take a break, see what that uh, weather forecast looks like for this coming week. Stay with us, uh, call us, text us, 651-461-9226. From News Talk 830, this is WCCO. Good Saturday morning to you. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. We are here and glad of it every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. This morning, answering your lawn and garden questions, Julie Wisenhorn and John Trappi from the U of M. We're talking lawns and gardens as usual. And uh, uh Julie and John, we have callers and we have textures both. Let's see how many folks awesome. we can help out here. Uh Charlie's first up here calling from Kimball, Minnesota, I do believe. Charlie, what's your question this morning? Yeah, hi. Um Right now... uh, With the weather as it is, without any snow, living in the country, we're all starting to get a little worried about our septic systems freezing. And uh, what I'm asking, John, is uh, we're looking for stray uh, or for straw, hail bales, hay bales to kind of insulate. So I'm wondering uh, what is the least destructive way to distribute that without damaging my grass? In the spring, should I have put down a layer of plastic before the straw and then the bales, or what would be the best possible way?
4: And uh, Charlie, you're thinking about trying to insulate the ground to keep it from freezing? Yes,
2: yes. If we don't get any snow
1: soon, then that's kind of a concern around my neighborhood.
4: Yeah, that, that's a great question. I, um, you know, To be honest with you, I'm not entirely sure on how to answer that. Um, Julie, do you have any suggestions?
3: Well, I think um, I know that, that in the past, or John, and you could probably weigh in on this too, but um, that if, as long as there's something planted on the soil, like turf, uh, it actually acts as an insulator for the soil. If you had bare soil on top of your septic mounds, or your septic systems, then it would be much more concerning because um, I remember back in it was January of 2022. The soil temperature of bare soil was zero, and the soil temperature of a soil with sod on it was 41 degrees, and the air temperature that day was minus 24 degrees. So just having some kind of growth that's on the soil. Uh, is is helpful. Now, I'm not a septic expert. (laughs) We do have septic experts at the University of Minnesota. So if you visit our extension site at extension.umn.edu and type in septic systems, there may be some information there about septic systems and protecting them from excessive cold.
2: All right. Very good. Good info. Thank you, Charlie. Uh, Let's grab another call. Then we'll get back to the text messages. Mary is uh, phoning in from Woodbury this morning. Thanks, Mary. What's uh, your question?
3: Yeah, good morning. Um, I'm calling because in the fall, it seemed in a kind of a patch of our front yard um, that does have some shade from um, kind of an evergreen and a birch tree. Um, But the grass would pull up like there was absolutely no root system left. And so I'm kind of guessing maybe it's grub worms, but how do we know, and if so, what do we do?
4: So if, you know, that does sound like it could be grubs. Uh, Keep in mind that, you know, and I I imagine based on those trees that you've had those trees for a while. So the grasses, if they've been there, they've been there year over year over year. Um, And if that's the case, uh, and it, uh, you know, then I, I would still recommend trying to plant the fine fescues in that area. But if they are, because they're the most shade tolerant. But if you do have uh, some grub damage, what you would notice is as you pull back on that sod, it, it should be able to pull up really easily. White grubs are root pruners, so the plants tend to dry out a little bit faster. And you will, as you pull back that sod, you'll find little uh, white grubs that are the larvae of beetles. Things like Japanese beetles and mass chafers. Uh, and they have a tick. They have a characteristic C shape, uh, six legs, and they might even have some hairs uh, on their rear end. But basically, um, the white grubs uh, can be controlled, uh, but they're typic- and they're most easily controlled using a preventative grub treatment. Um, and what that means is basically, if you have grubs there, typically you're going to have them there year over year, and you can predict on when they're going to be there. Uh, and when to apply that pre-emergent, or excuse me, that preventative grub treatment. Uh, So that's what I would recommend. But first confirm that you actually have grubs uh, because, you know, we don't want someone going out and applying an insecticide into the environment without actually knowing uh, what it's attempting to control.
2: Very good. Thank you, Mary, for the call. Uh, Julie, this uh, texture mentions that trees in the Maple Grove area, parks and trails, show lots of damage to their bark. Many are white-looking, but bark is removed down to the inner layer, but no signs of woodpecker damage. What do you think is causing this?
3: Boy, that's a great question. Um, Without looking at the trees, I'm not really sure that I could even take a gander at that one. Um, It may be squirrels. Could it be deer? It could be deer, I think. Uh, it, it, it's interesting if it's, like, repeated along an entire, like, a boulevard area. Uh, it depends on the type of tree, too. I don't know, John, if you're a hunter. What do you think? Um, uh,
4: it, yeah, it could be. I, you know, just like you said, it could be any number of things without mm-hmm. seeing a photo. I, I would suggest uh, taking a photo and submitting it to Ask a Master Gardener. Yeah, uh, and great we idea. Can, we can identify it a little bit easier that way.
2: Somebody uh, the texter wants to send us pics but our text we, we can't get yeah. we can't get photos. <laughs> if, if you um, go
3: to our yard and garden webpage at extension.umn.edu and go to yard and garden and go down to ask extension you can you can put I think you can send up to 3 photos and master gardeners can help um, diagnose that or determine maybe what's going on. The other thing is is in Maple Grove they may have an arborist on staff or a company that they contract with. And they may be able to to answer that question, too.
2: All right. Very good. So Julie, again, you wanted I, go ahead.
3: Yeah. I wanted to go back to that septic question Yeah. for Charlie. So, Charlie, we have a web page called Septic. This is easy to remember, I hope. Septic.umn.edu. And there's a section on seasonal care. And a section in that is, what can you do to prevent your on-site system from freezing in the future? And they do address placing a layer of mulch 8 to 12 inches over the pipes, tank, and soil treatment system to provide extra instil- insulation. You could have straw. It could be leaves, hay, uh, any other loose compact. What that might do is you may have to rake that off then as the season warms up just to allow your grass then to get enough sun and uh, to you know g- get growing uh, as the weather warms up. So... Um, this is really important, especially if you have a new system installed and you don't have any vegetative cover. So vegetative cover is really helpful, um, leaving your grass a little bit longer. John mentioned the, the fine fescues being a good option for grasses and letting those grow a little bit longer than maybe the rest of your lawn uh, could help with insulation as well.
2: Good. Uh, this listener says this. I have three lilac bushes that are budding. What's going to happen to them next week when the temperatures drop? And will this mean for uh, what will this mean for spring blooming?
3: Yeah, we've had a number of people who have said, "Hey, my lilacs are leafing out," <laughs> and uh, we had some late blooming. Um, it's called remontancy. It's when plants rebloom, and we do we breed some of these remontancy into, uh, say, roses, for example. We want them to keep reblooming through the summer, but It's unsettling when you have spring blooming plants like prairie smoke, uh, choke cherry, or choke berry, and penstemon that bloom again. They normally bloom in the spring and then they bloom again in August. We had that out at the Foodscape at the Myers Education Center at the Arboretum. There's nothing to do about it. We can't stop it. Um, It is just a, a, a plant reacting to hormones that are activated by sun and warmth and uh so we can't do anything about it usually it's pretty minimal it's not the entire shrub uh that's going to open up and start to bloom it's usually just an occasional flower or leaf there i think with the temperatures coming up it's going to may we might see a little bit of cold damage on some of those buds if they're starting to, to break but um i think it, you just kind of have to live with that and uh, just Nothing to do. Don't wrap your plant. Don't don't try to prune anything off or anything like that. Just um, hopefully it's just a minimal amount.
2: Okay. Here's a question we've never had before: How many more minutes of daylight do we have since the winter solstice?
3: Oh man.
2: Well, I tell you what. <laughs> do you we, know? We we have put our huge resource team that uh, together, and we have I can't count how many folks we have doing research here, especially on a Saturday morning. Here's what they sent me, though. The, the increase in day length began slowly, immediately after the winter solstice, but ramped up to about two additional minutes of daylight per day by late January. Throughout okay. February, March, and the first half of April last year, the day length increased by about two and a half minutes each day. Wow. So there. and, and More than uh, I thought. <laughs> yeah. So thank you to our uh, research team. It's still
3: dark in the morning. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's been dark a lot lately. It's
3: hard to get up. <laughs>
2: a lot of cloudy skies lately.
4: Yeah, a little. Every bit Every day dirty. gets better though. Every yeah. day That's gets right. better.
2: I One try day to, say to spring. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Te- <clears throat> excuse me. Texter says, "What can you tell me about quote worm castings?" Thanks. For, I love your program. Oh, what worm are casting. worm castings?
4: So I. Uh, Typically, you can find worm castings on the surface of the soil. And what you're really seeing is you're basically seeing the excrement of worms. Uh, and uh, typically, those just look like uh, processed organic matter. Um, in many cases, that's, a, that's uh, just a great, uh, it's a great process for soil because it creates natural aeration or aeration in the soil, which allows for air and water to move through the soil. Um, so generally that is a healthy thing. I mean, many earthworms are actually non-native, uh, and can actually be invasive, but generally they're not looked at as being a bad thing, and if anything, they can actually help soils. Uh, and sometimes you might find, generally they're not looked at as being a bad thing, and if anything, they can actually help soils. Uh, it, sometimes find, uh a, a thing, and anything, soils. Uh, it, sometimes you might find a collection of plant residues that are on the surface, and that's, uh, earthworms. Uh, taking middens m-i-d-d-e-n-s where they're basically covering up their their burrow some people confuse those with castings but the castings are the excrement middens are basically protecting their hole uh or their burrow uh over you know over the uh the course of the year
2: well interesting
3: wow you know a lot about worms (laughs) I <laughs> More than I'm finding out stuff about John every day at work.
2: <laughs> I'm sure he would, uh, he uh, was connected to our research department. No, <laughs> <doubt>. <laughs> no, John does know as stuff as uh, you do, Julie. Yes,
3: so yes. hang on, we'll uh, a soil scientist.
2: Absolutely. We have some great help this morning on our Smart Garden Show. Call your question in or text it in at 651 461 29 degrees in the Twin Cities. We're on our way to 34 with a chance of snow today and tonight. Stay with us. Here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Good morning, welcome back to our Smart Garden show. Just a reminder that uh, coming along next hour, Andy Lindis returns, we're going to be talking home improvement, so get those uh, questions and uh, keep those in mind, and uh, you can call and text next hour when Andy returns for our home improvement show. Uh, again, we're in the remaining minutes of our Smart garden show, uh, Julie Weeisenor and Jean Trappi from the U of M, answering those very questions. Here's one: When should you start tomato seeds inside?
3: oh good question so Uh tomato seeds can be started uh in march they need about eight weeks to really develop before they can go outside and that should time it right about memorial day or so when you can get them outside when it's uh pretty steadily warmed up in temperatures
2: okay please talk to me Texter says about ants my lawn has four or five large colonies of ants like six feet across size uh, are they good or bad, and do I eradicate them? If so, I don't want to get rid of uh, good critters in my yard, but they're very uh, very annoying and keep me from planting in certain areas.
4: Yeah, ants can be. I, I have one in, in my lawn that eventually just killed itself, uh, I, I, I believe, anyways. Um, yeah, ants can be kind of problematic because uh, they can really change the soil structure around where all the plants are growing and eventually... Uh, you'll just see really bare or just dead patches where nothing will grow. Um, as far as a, a control option, uh, you can use uh, boiling water as one and keep in mind you know you you may likely kill the plants in that area, but you can at least uh, you know discourage or or hurt the the ant colony itself. There's also a number of uh, insecticide bait traps that work; uh, those typically are more effective than trying to use a broad-spectrum insecticide. But there are baits that are uh, specifically designed to uh, to discourage or to kill ant colonies, where uh, you know the worker ants take the bait back down into the colony and it uh, eventually, uh, you know, it harms them more directly. Um, as far as uh, a- any other control options, uh, there r- really aren't any. And sometimes, if you're If you're averse to using any of those methods, uh, you can just try to wait it out. But uh, unfortunately, once you get a colony, it's probably going to be there unless you try to control it uh, through some different means.
2: Yeah, they can be tough. Uh, Here's an interesting twist on the seeding. The winter seeding sure sounds intriguing. However, how do you do annual spring cleanup of the lawn without wrecking your seeding?
4: Yeah, that's also a uh, great question. Um, That, you know, that is one of the things that you need to be aware of if you are doing that, and ideally that's why we hope you can, you can do the, the fall cleanup if you can get to it uh, before you get any kind of snow cover or before you do any kind of dormant seeding or anything like that, is just to make sure that your lawn is ready going into the spring. If you miss that opportunity uh, and you still get a lot of uh, debris you know, from late dropping tree leaves or anything like that, uh, I would just try to be patient in the springtime uh, if you do end up dormant seeding. Uh, just wait until after you have get a little bit more. I mean, your lawn is going to look a little bit rougher, but uh, just patience is going to be the key there just because you're not sure when things are going to germinate and emerge, and you don't want to disturb uh, any seed that hasn't made its way down uh, or at least uh, against the soil yet. So patience is key there.
2: Very good. This texter says, I have a magnolia tree with what looks like a scale on the bark. What should I do, and will the tree survive?
3: Boy, magnolia scale is really detrimental, and it's, it's tough. Um, scale is really difficult to get rid of. It's a sucking insect that's covered by a protective uh, kind of a cap over the insect, and it will then basically suck the juices out of the plant, And it is um, ugly, and it causes, it creates the, uh, the insects produce honeydew, which is sticky and clear. And that can create uh, sooty mold, (laughs) gross sooty mold. And it can attract a lot of uh, other animals or other insects, too, uh, by the sugary content. So it's, it's, it's tough to get rid of scale. The only thing to do is if you have it on just one branch of your plant, if you if it's really isolated, if you've caught it early, you can prune that branch off and just dispose of it, burn it up. Um, and However, oftentimes we don't notice scale until it really gets bad. And at that point, you have to use a systemic that will uh, be added to the soil of the magnolia tree and then taken up. By the plant and uh, kind of translocate it out throughout the entire plant into the branches, the leaves, and the flowers. So it will be something that you will want to do after the flowers bloom, because uh, the flowers are attractive to other in, to beneficial insects, and you don't want to be those. You don't want those insects to take up any of that uh, pesticide because it will kill them as well.
2: All right. A couple of minutes ago in the show, it's moving rather quickly as usual. I think we have time maybe for one more text. Uh, this listener has uh, have, uh, nine black chokeberries. Two of them have stems that are almost three inches in diameter. Should these branches be cut away or on one bush? If I do this, there are only about eight stems remaining. How and when should these be pruned?
3: Uh, they can be coppiced. They can be completely cut to the ground. Uh, you can also do some selective pruning and prune some of those out. It does allow for the younger branches to get light and to uh, thrive at that point, too. Otherwise, I guess the purpose is think about what's your purpose of pruning. Is it too big? Is it blocking a window? Uh, do you not like the way it looks? And kind of make your determination on pruning in that respect.
2: Finally, let's, uh, let's give the uh, University of Minnesota website and get to the Arboretum uh, if and when you can. How about that website?
3: Extension.umn.edu. Uh, if you'd like to subscribe to our Yard and Garden News, there's a, a you can go to the news and uh, then put your email in, and you'll be getting alerts when we have new information on Yard and Garden, which is a kind of timely publication that uh, is produced online that John and I write for and, and other
4: educators throughout the state.
2: And John, you mentioned uh, some uh, seed uh, uh, information coming out too, right?
4: Yeah, we'll we'll be releasing a new web page uh, here shortly for for anybody who's looking to purchase grass seed. Just a little bit more tips and tricks, um, but but you can find an existing page just by googling uh, UMN or, or web searching for UMN purchasing grass seed. Uh, should be like the first result.
2: Fantastic. Outstanding. Well, it was great having you on. Happy New Year. I don't think it's too late to wish you a Happy New Year, is it? I mean,
3: it's... No. 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 Just, uh, plenty of time. Six days in. Yeah, here. absolutely. <laughs>
2: All right, Julie and John, thanks so much. Let's do this again.
3: Sounds good. Thanks, Dave. Can't wait.
2: Very good. Thank you. Julie Wisenor and John Trappi from the University of Minnesota. Again, get ready for a home improvement. Our friend Alex Lindis will be filling in for Brother Andy uh, coming along a little bit after the... Uh, 9 o'clock news break, so get those home improvement questions ready. Uh, 29 degrees in the Twin Cities right now. Looks like we're going to have a little bit of snow, 50% chance of snow today. How much? Probably less than half an inch and about the same overnight tonight. You stay tuned to WCCO. Fog and mist reporting right now in the Twin
1: Cities. It's 29 degrees. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news,